All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. Here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I am Travis Pauley, here as always with Wes McAdams. Hi, Wes. Hey, brother. How are you? Do you like how I switched up the intro a little bit? Yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> it all works. It Just all works. Just get it all in there one way or the other. That's right. Yeah. We have a question today we're awesome. going to discuss. It says, hi, Wes. This is Isabella, 18 years old. I've been hearing your podcast for some while now, and I really enjoy them. You are giving me a new way to look at things as a Christian and how to grow spiritually as a person who follows God. Although there is one thing that has been on my mind for a while, something I'm really unsatisfied with. I decided a long time ago that I wanted to live my life as a Christian and establish my relationship with God, but there is this feeling that I'm not doing enough as a Christian, that I'm too focused on earthly things. I want to invest more time in God and change my own morals, but I still do things that I know are sins, or there are times when I'm not motivated or even can't get enough time to do all the things I should be doing. Often I feel I'm too lazy and I'm in my own world where I enjoy my hobbies and just relax. I want to change, but I stand in my own way. Can you do a podcast about this? Thank you. God bless you all. It's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. Isabella, I hope that you're listening to this, and thank you for submitting that. Thank you for your heart, yeah. for your desire to want to follow Jesus and to do what's right and to not do what's wrong. And I think yeah. we can all empathize with and relate to that question. We all struggle with that. That's, that is that is the struggle. That is the journey. Yes. That's we, we did, I don't remember, was it last week or the week before? Or maybe maybe two weeks ago we mm-hmm. talked about the flesh and the spirit, yeah, yeah. and and this is this is the battle that mm-hmm. that we are engaged in every day of our life um, to to wrestle against the flesh and to put to death the works of the flesh. So I I think that where this needs to start is the fact that often we try to overcome the f- deeds of the flesh and the works of the flesh through the flesh. Mm. In other words, we try to overcome the the flesh either through fleshly means or by means of our own spirit. And 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 I think that we live in a world that's really good at both. So let me explain what I mean. So if I want to accomplish any goal, you mm-hmm. know, um, I want to be a better whatever. I want to be a better writer. I want to be a better um, at my hobby. I want to be better in my job. I want to be better at home, whatever it is. So if we want to be better at something, we, we have a goal. From a secular standpoint, there's there's two things you could do. Like maybe some people approach it merely from a pragmatic standpoint. Do this, 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 this. You know, first thing when you get up, here's what you need to do. Just start the day off right, have a glass of water or drink a cup of coffee or do your daily meditations or, you know, whatever. So so some people might approach it merely from a, um, a fleshly perspective in that, in saying that here are steps to take, things to do to overcome the obstacles, to get out of your own way, to get out of your own head, to move forward. Now, that's not to say that that doesn't work because it can have some effect on what we're doing. But the the thing is, we'll typically either go back to what we were doing or we'll develop other bad habits. And so this bad habit will overcome by doing this other thing. So maybe we're smoking and in order to give up smoking, we start 
chewing gum or we start, you know, right. doing this. Well, now you've picked up another bad habit. And that's not to say that maybe that other bad habit, chewing gum or eating candy bars it's or the whatever. Lesser of two evils. Right. Yeah. It might be the lesser of two evils. And that might be a good decision. Like, go for it. Knock yourself out. But so I'm not saying that th- there's no value in that. Right. But I am saying that we we tend to try to overcome these obstacles and challenges, our weaknesses. Mm-hmm through the means of the flesh, to just try to power through it by our own strength and our own power. This is what the the Judaizers were doing in in saying people need to be circumcised, or the, uh, the ascetics of Paul's day who would say to deny yourself any pleasures. And there were ascetics throughout religious history right. that, that said it's do not eat and do not taste and do not touch and, you know, have all of these rules as if by imposing all of this harshness on the body mm-hmm. that by the flesh you can overcome the flesh and paul always talked about the futility of that you can't overcome the flesh by the flesh so there's not there's no amount of rules that you can impose upon your life to make yourself a better person yeah. so you're not going to be able to overcome by the flesh so the other possibility that we tended to go towards as as secular people outside of the gospel is motivation. Hmm. If I could change my own heart or I could change my own spirit, if I just get motivated, so we'll listen to certain things, we'll listen to music, that'll pump us up. And we'll now again, there is, there is some value to that. And, and you can see the needle move a little bit, but it's usually very short lived. It's like Hmm. drinking a cup of coffee or having a bunch of sugar. You know, it does give you a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a high, but then there's always the crash afterwards. And so even our own spirit, our own heart, or our own feelings can only get us so far. We can get ourselves pumped up to move the needle a little bit, or we can impose certain rules on ourselves, a certain strictness upon ourselves to move the needle a little bit. But none of these are going to accomplish real transformation. Mm -hmm. Typically, we're trading one thing for another. And, 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 And this is where C.S. Lewis talks about how sometimes we'll try to overcome one sin with a worse sin. Mm. And for him, pride was the worst sin. And so we will try to help young people, especially like parents will say to kids, you're too good to do that. Like other families may do things like this, but Mm. we're McAdams. McAdams people don't do this. We don't, we don't act this way. You're too good to do this. So now instead of lying or stealing or cheating, now they're doing something worse. They're proud of themselves. And we have fed their ego. We have fed their pride. We have created little hubris monsters that that now are proud. Instead of being thieves, now they're proud and, and they think they're too good to steal. So so we tend to do these kinds of things. And when we talk about motivation, like listening to motivational speeches or motivational talks, a lot of times that's what it is. It's feeding our ego. It's feeding our pride. It's telling us how good we are, how awesome we are, how right. powerful we are. And we're too good to be lazy. We're too good to be a, a slob. We're too good to whatever. And that pride, it may help us overcome our laziness, mm-hmm. but now... We now we're struggling with something worse, and that's pride. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, understand that there's there's a better way. There's a better way than the flesh, or by our own motivation, right. uh, or by our own heart, by our own spirit. And that's the spirit of God. And that's why Paul, in these epistles, and this is why the epistles are so important. 
if we want to know who Jesus is, we have these gospel accounts. Like this is who Jesus, not just was, this is who Jesus is. And then the epistles are written to people like us Mm -hmm. who struggled with very similar, even though different contexts, different time period, struggled with very similar things. And, And these letters are written to disciples like us to say, here's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. To Isabella's question, how do I do better as a follower of Jesus? How do I overcome these things? And Paul doesn't do either of the two things that we tend to do. He doesn't say, well, let me give you a daily list of of activities to do. And if you wake up at six every morning and then you do your morning devotionals and you have two eggs and a piece of bacon. No, he wouldn't have said bacon. Um, (laughs) You know, if you do these things, then you're going to have a great day. What's that? Peter would have. Peter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Maybe. He's still struggling with that. Um, but, But if... If that was the answer, then right. Paul could have said, it's all these rules, or he could have just built them up and he could have just been a little cheerleader and said, you're awesome. You're too great to 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 fail. But instead, what he did was he anchored all of the behavior mm-hmm. in very rich theology. And so he always lays out what what scholars call, well, what, what the Greek words are often is either an indicative or an imperative. So indicatives are are verbs that are. This is this is what is. This is a declaration of what is. Right. It's just indicative of reality. This is the reality. This is the new reality in Jesus. Mm-hmm. The imperatives are what you should do because of what is. So he lays out the indicatives first and says, this is what is. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is what has transpired in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then the imperatives that say, therefore, because this is true, here's what you should do. Now, what we tend to do is we just dismiss the indicatives. And we just say, well, those don't matter. I mean, that's just all nice, fluffy, theological nonsense. You know, the preacher talks about all of this stuff. But in the very practical, just give me the practical. And we like sermons. Just give me the practical. Give me a a bullet list. Give me a a list of things I should do this week. Well, wait, if I just give you a list of things that you should do this week, it might motivate you. It might help you. But ultimately, you're going to fail. And yeah. where's that going to leave you? You're going to end, or or worse yet, you're going to succeed. And where's that going to leave you? Pride. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you're going to fail and you're going to be miserable and ashamed, or you're going to succeed and you're going to mm. be proud of yourself. Either two, way. Two sides of the same coin. That's exactly right. Either way you lose. Yeah. And so Paul laid out the theological first, the indicatives first to say, this is what is. So based on that, then the obedience, then the imperatives flow from that. So Ephesians is a terrific book to see Mm -hmm. the structure of this. The first three chapters are almost entirely indicative. This is what is. And then in chapter four, he he gives the therefore and moves on to the imperatives to say, because that's true, here's how you should live. So the first half of this conversation, let's Let's look at some of the indicatives, and then we'll move on to the imperatives in the second half. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. So, so much of this book, he, he reflects on the prayers that he's praying for 
the church at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. And he says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. And he'll go on and on and on, but we'll stop right there. Mm -hmm. So he says, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart are are open so that yeah. you can see what you have. Yeah. Well, no, I, I was also thinking maybe the flip side of that, you know, that your eyes are open. I heard a sermon recently that in, it talks about confession. Hmm. And not only do you need to confess to each other as Christians, mm-hmm. that that's, that's helpful in, uh, for, for everybody involved. Yeah. But also you need to confess to God. You need to confess to yourself. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about watching your thoughts. And so like, you know, we see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not attacking sin on a physical level. He starts attacking it at a mm. thought level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you've heard it said, don't murder. I tell you don't hate because yeah. if you don't hate, I, my, I think the kind of, I've often thought the, the conclusion to what he just said is, well, you know, everybody's guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. has hated at one time or another. But that's where you should be fighting this battle, mm-hmm. you know. And and on that note, like watching your thoughts and confessing to yourself, like, mm-hmm. oh, that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times what happens is you have a thought and you let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's too scary to think about mm-hmm. that you just had that thought pop in your head. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, and maybe you just feel like it's better to just move on. But you're, you, you know, the serpents in your heart, mm-hmm. the the serpents in the garden, mm-hmm. like you've set the table for sin mm-hmm. around the corner. And so this this sermon was encouraging people to, you know, confess your thoughts as they come up. Mm-hmm. And then after you do that, you pray. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, you know, that was one of the first things I thought of when we got into this question. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Paul is sort of alluding to this here, talking about the spirit that mm-hmm. like pray, prayer works. Mm-hmm. And especially I think when you're, when you're, on the other side of confession, you go, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't like that. I didn't like that I had that thought. I don't want it to lead to where I know it can. Mm-hmm. Stopping and praying about that. Like, yeah. Lord, guide me away from that. You know, like yeah. Jesus goes to that in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. Mm-hmm. Guide us away from temptation. Like, I, I, So I think, you know, the, opening the eyes of our hearts, or the eyes of our hearts being enlightened mm-hmm. goes to recognizing, like you said, the reality mm-hmm. of we're saved in Christ. Yes. And also opening our eyes to catching sin before it becomes a problem mm-hmm. and you know my dad my dad would always, would always tell me don't don't run to the line of sin run away from the that's line right. of sin that's right you know? that's exactly right well and, and and i think you bring up such a, an important point about confession and i think it goes hand in hand with what paul is saying here yeah. because i think sometimes one of the things that we we fail to recognize that confession implies grace like you only confess oh, yeah. when there is an understanding that there's going to be forgiveness or even the possibility of forgiveness. Right. When we don't think, like if someone is threatening our life, like if somebody says, now if you did this, if you imagine somebody right. with a gun, imagine a big scary person with a gun yeah. and they said, if you did this, I'm going to kill you. Right. Like 
and you did well, it. Guess what? I didn't do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm never going to confess. What motivation right. do I have to confess if the reward for confession right. is death? I'm not going to confess. But if the reward for confession is life, well, then for sure I'm going to confess. Yeah. Now, with God, he's not threatening us at all. Mm. Jesus has taken the consequence. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has set us free. So what we have to gain by confession is exactly what Isabella is seeking. What we have to gain by confession is a closer relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so when we realize that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1, then we realize I'm not condemned and I confess not because I'm scared of judgment. Right. I confess because I don't want it in, like you said, in my heart. I don't want it in my head. I don't right. want these thoughts. And so I want to get rid of them. So as, as soon as those tiny little po- thoughts pop into our head, we take them before the Father and we say, because our eyes have been enlightened, because yeah. we see who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus, and we say, Father, I I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want this thought in my head. This is a disgusting thought. This is a horrible thought. I don't want to think this way about other people. I don't want to picture image bearers of yours this way. I don't want to, I don't want to lust. I don't want to hate. I don't want to have bitterness. And we take those thoughts to him. I love that idea of confession, but I think so often so many Christians don't have a foundation of grace and so they're afraid to confess. And so they deny their sin, especially the sins that are easy to deny. Sure. And they, they deny them, as you said, not only by not confessing them to each other right. or not confessing them to God, but even to themselves. They're not even willing to acknowledge, I'm lusting, yeah. I'm angry, I'm hate-filled, I'm bitter, I'm jealous, I'm coveting, I'm greedy. And so because they don't really believe that if they confess their sins, they would be forgiven. They don't really believe that God loves them. They don't really believe that God wants a closer relationship to them. They don't really believe that their confession would be rewarded by right. even more intimate fellowship with God. And when and, and see, that's why th- these imperatives of what should we do, even things like confess— which is a doing, right. even that confession has to be has to come after the understanding. The understanding has to come first. Ephesians two, we could go on and on about Ephesians two, yeah. saved by grace through faith, you know, not by works mm. so that no one can boast. And so it it's not what I've done, but what God through Christ has done for me. Uh, then chapter three, uh, let's read uh, verses fourteen through twenty one. Again, another prayer of Paul's. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what we need to pray. Yeah. Like Isabella, that's where you start, right there. 
reword that into your own words yeah. so that it's it's coming from a first person perspective and pray that prayer. Father, I bow my knees before you, the one fr- from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant me and us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in my inner being. Pray that prayer. This is what we need to pray. We need to pray that we really understand who we are and what we have in Christ. That's why all of us fail to live up to it because we don't really get it. Like we may know it intellectually, but in our inner being, we don't really believe. Like there's no way. When when I sin, whatever my sin is, when I do that sin, like I'm not in that moment really believing that I am a child of the most high God. I am I am denying that through my behavior. If I lie, if I steal, if I if I'm greedy, if I'm lusting, if I'm whatever, like I'm not really thinking, you know what, these eyeballs of mine, these are tools of Yahweh God. And he's given these to me for his glory and for my good and for the blessing of my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And and I can't use them in that way. Right. Like whatever my sin is. I'm doing that in that moment because in my heart, I don't really believe what the gospel says about me is true. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need to pray. We need to, we need to pray that our eyes are open, that our heart is open, that in our inner being, the spirit strengthens us with this knowledge and this truth. So we are transformed by this renewing of our mind. Well, yeah, and this, you know, this prayer that Paul is describing is the heading here, prayer for spiritual strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of humility to know to ask that, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. because I don't know about you, but I've, there's been plenty of times where on the other side of being impatient on the other side of, on either side yeah. of being impatient or being, you know, hateful or being, you know, whatever the sin might be on either side of it, I feel just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I can do this. I can be a good right. Christian. I can be... And it's not until you have you you have that base of understanding, like we are struggling against our own flesh. You know, I've often thought about it as like it's 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 like having a. I don't mean it as like a like possession, but it's like having an entity mm-hmm. within us that's mm-hmm. like I don't want to do, I don't want to sin, mm-hmm. um, but again, and in on either side of a sin, I'll be. I'll be so sure I've got this. Mm-hmm. I know what to do. I've mm-hmm. got, and it's like, it again, like you said, it, you don't change. You don't have, you don't have the power to grow in the spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit has the power to help you grow okay. in the spirit. Like That's it's, right. and and to go back to what you said about understanding the reality that that you're in. That if you're saved in Christ, mm-hmm. you know He's going to help you. Yeah, He's going to help you overcome the flesh. I mean, Christ Himself said, you know, the flesh is. Or the spirit is willing, but the flesh mm-hmm. is weak. Yeah, and yeah, that's why I think, like you said, so many of the efforts that we can put into overcoming our own sin can just lead to pride, mm-hmm. which, like you said, is often yeah. worse. Yep, because it can go, it can go undiscovered. It mm-hmm. can go. Uh, in fact, people might even pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but humility actually gives you the opportunity to grow in the spirit. Yeah. 
which this is exactly why the the Sermon on the Mount, which is yeah. filled with imperatives, right? It's it's filled with things that we're supposed to kind of do, yeah. but it begins by saying, "Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are poor in spirit, and blessed are yeah. those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." Because it's only the hungry and the thirsty that will be satisfied. The people that are filled with self righteousness. They're not going to find any satisfaction in Christ. And that's why the gospel is for people like Isabella that says, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I'm trying to do right. Help me to do better. And, and so it's for those who know I don't have it figured out. And if we ever get to the point where we think, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing really well as a Christian, we're probably <laughs> doing the worst we've ever been. Yeah. It's when we're saying, I can't do this, but Jesus, through his spirit, can help me, can strengthen me so that I believe these things are true, so that I can begin to live out and act out the things that are true in the gospel. I just want to take a short break from our Bible study to tell you that if you are enjoying this discussion, you might also enjoy my book, Beyond the Verse. You can find the audio version of the book at radicallychristian.com slash audible. That's radicallychristian.com slash audible. And if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can actually get my book for free when you sign up for a free trial. So go to radicallychristian.com slash audible. Now back to the Bible study. Okay, so... As I said in the first half, the first three chapters of Ephesians are really this theological foundation. And I think in, in Ephesians particularly, Paul is trying to get, as he almost always is, mm. Jews and Gentiles to live together in unity. Yeah, And so that's almost always Paul's practical motivation. But he doesn't just say that, like, get along, <laughs> just live in harmony, live in unity, be be united. You know, he, he lays the foundation. And, and I think that that's a lesson for us. Whatever it is that we're trying to overcome, whatever it is that we're trying to do on a practical level, we can't just talk about it practically. We have to talk sure. about it theologically. We have to anchor it and root it in who we are in Jesus so that if we fail, or rather when we fail to yeah. live up to that standard, we won't be miserably in the shamed. cycle of shame. And, right, yeah. exactly. We won't be we won't be guilty. We won't be condemned. Um, and when we succeed, and we can in the spirit succeed, we won't be proud of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and we so it has to be everything has to be anchored in the grace of God, the spirit of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in chapter four, he begins to transition to these imperatives to say, here's what you should do. He says in chapter four and verse one. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So again, there, there's the goal. Yeah. Live in the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But it's anchored in all of the theology that came before that. So it starts with, therefore, because all of this is true, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. To just tell people to walk in a worthy manner of what? You know, right. worthy of what? Worthy of the gospel, worthy of the good news that you are now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You have a seat at God's family table. And if that's true, and in Jesus it is true, it changes everything. Now, live like that, like live like that. And if if for a moment you forget 
how you're supposed to be living, come back to that, come back to that, come back to that. So we, as Christians, we've got to constantly be reflecting on that. So I mean, we could have very practical things that say, when you get up in the morning, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Remind yourself of the Spirit who lives within you. Remind yourself of these truths, and then be on fire about that. So are we creating rules? Yeah, sure, there's rules and structure, but it's not rules and structure of the flesh. And are we getting motivated? Yes, but it's not just a pep rally to just tell me how awesome I am. It's a pep rally to tell me how awesome Jesus is, to tell me how awesome the Spirit is who dwells within me, to tell me how awesome my inheritance in Christ is, not just who I am. Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of, I shouldn't say I listen to a lot of sermons of these types of sermons, but I, I hear a lot of clips, especially online, social media. I'll hear clips of, of these prosperity preachers, health oh, and wealth yeah. prosperity preachers, and they're always telling people how good they are, how awesome they are, sure. how terrific they are. And it's like, yeah, that feels good. And I'm sure it helps you to fill up an auditorium full of people right. eager to give to your ministry when you tell them how awesome they are. But the gospel doesn't tell us how awesome we are. It tells us what miserable failures we are, but how awesome Jesus is and how awesome life can be now and in the resurrection with the Spirit of God living within us. So the life is awesome. The life in Christ is awesome, but I'm not awesome. Like, I'm a mess. But now have, in Christ, I'm changed. You kind of have to... I was writing something the other day about this. That you kind of have to remain an empty cup. That's right. That's exactly know, right. Ready to be filled. That's because, a great metaphor. Because uh, to Isabella's question, you know, this is something we all struggle with. This yeah. is something, you know... And so you're not here asking the question... Uh, without some failures to, in the past. And so you know, tyrannical, white-knuckling the problem, yes. you know, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. And so that should leave you properly humbled to need yes. grace yes. through Jesus. And then, like you said, you know, to, to really understand that gives you the base of, again, being that empty cup that mm-hmm. even when you're doing it right, what could I be doing better? Mm-hmm. And that's not like, I, I don't know, I've experienced that. I would say at one time I would have thought that I would have heard that description come out of my lips just now and thought that that sounded like, well, then you're never winning. It's like, but mm. well, that's not the point. Yeah. It's like the point right. is Jesus is Jesus yeah. is winning. Like you said, yeah. he's already won. He's yeah. already taken the penalty. Yeah. And But you're still going to have your day in court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, that's, you know, you, you still need to confess. You still yeah. need to be mindful of the fact that um, that you are capable of evil yeah and no matter how much Jesus has transformed you we're living yeah. in a corrupt world yeah. where you're corruptible yes yeah and that's that's not to shame you yeah that's just to remind that's yeah. just to remind me that yeah. I continually need him yeah I continually need him every day like I need to be filled up with that yeah and and on the other side of that coin is the fact that we are also capable of of doing good. Yeah. And and he has prepared good works for us to do that we should walk in them, Ephesians yeah. 2.10. And so because we understand that we're saved by his grace, yeah. and then we accept the fact that we are, I love that metaphor of an empty vessel, the sin's been cleansed away from, taken mm-hmm. out of the cup, and we've been filled with the Spirit. Now we can do good things, and our life can be transformed and changed, yeah. but it has to be all the glory has to go to him. All the glory has to go to him. 
our failures, he takes the he takes the consequences, but our successes, he takes the credit. You know, and <laughs> yeah. and that's that's a humbling yeah. thing to it say. Is. You're not going to get any credit, but you're also not going to take any blame. Yeah, and that's that's an awesome place to live. But that's what it is to live in the spirit. Is I don't get any blame because he took it for me, mm-hmm. but I also don't get any credit. And so whatever I am. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life of the Christian is to surrender, total surrender, to say, this is his. This is his life. Now, that's not to say, and I want to be really practical. Isabella said, you know, sometimes I want to enjoy my hobbies and just relax. Like, yes, we should. We should enjoy life. To be an empty vessel that is filled up with the Spirit and walk in the good works that He has prepared for us, that's not to say we shouldn't enjoy life, because yeah. we should. He gave us this earth and this life to enjoy, and and there should be a certain amount of that. But then there's also going to be opportunities that are open before us, and He also expects us to take advantage of those as well. So yeah. it's going to take discernment and wisdom to know when's the time to just breathe and just enjoy the moment. And when's the time to to buckle down and get to work and, and help somebody and serve somebody? Um, it, it's going to differ. But even in that, there is grace. Even in that, there is mercy. Yeah. Even in that, even in my lack of discernment, there is grace and mercy. Um, but, but I have to live in that to know that there's grace and mercy <laughs> and to know that there's grace to rest and there's also grace to work. Um, and and so we need to embrace embrace both of those. Um, I, I want to read uh, from Ephesians four, starting in verse seventeen, just to get real, real practical, but to show also how Paul, even even as he's giving the imperatives, here's what you should do. How he anchors those even in the indicatives. So right. he says in verse seventeen of Ephesians four. Now I say this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So again, he's about to get really practical, but even in this, he anchors everything in this story that we're a part of. And you and I talk about story all the time. It's understanding what story you're a part of. For so many of us, we're part of our own story. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just me. Like, I'm living, I'm the hero of my story, and God is my Obi-Wan Kenobi. Jesus is my Yoda, you know? (laughs) And so we just, or maybe it's the other way around, I don't know. But, um, you know, and and so we we just are living our story, trying to be the hero of our own story. And that's... That's not what's going on here. Yeah. Jesus is the hero of the story, and we live to serve him, and he he takes away our old self and puts on this new self, and in this new self, we can be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and he says in verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, therefore... There's another therefore. (laughs) Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. See, even there, he can't just say, don't lie. Like It's not enough to tell a Christian, don't lie. Like, why don't lie? Why don't lie? Because you've put off the old self. And lying is part of the old self. And you put on the new self. And the new self is a truth-speaking self. Mm -hmm. And this in this new self, we're members of one another. 
We belong to each other, yeah. even to our neighbors. We belong to them. Our, our job is to serve them and to love them, to help them, to bless them. And to lie to them is not to love them. You can't love somebody if you're lying to them. He says, verse 26, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And again, he can't just say, I mean, again, that would just be a very practical statement. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. But he, he says, because because you'll be giving an opportunity to the devil. Right, this, to this let is, it fester. And, exactly. Yeah. This is a spiritual battle. This is not just you and living your best life and you doing you. It's about the part that you're playing in the story that is unfolding with mm. Jesus and his spirit and his people. He says, um, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And again, he doesn't just say, don't steal. I mean, he could just say, don't don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, and give us a list of things not to do. No, but he re- says... Replace it with something. Replace it, yeah. right? Because you put off the old self. Stealing is part of the old self. The new self, it doesn't just not steal. Mm-hmm. It's generous. The new self is generous. The new self blesses his neighbor. The new self blesses her neighbor. Um, he says, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So again, the old self had corrupting talks coming out of its mouth. The new self not only doesn't do that, but it has grace coming out of its mouth. It isn't enough to just not curse your enemies. Now you not only refrain from cursing them, now you bless them. Now you have grace for everyone you speak to. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So again, in all of this, he anchors the role of the Spirit. Like the Spirit's working on you and for you to be like, no, I'm still going to do things the old way. You're, You're grieving the Spirit who lives in you. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Again, as God in Christ forgave you. So, Paul very rarely just says, here's what to do. Yeah, He always says, here's what to do because here's who you are. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about identity. And, and I think that's such an important thing because who, again, I love that question. Who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, and, and that's a good question, even when it's asked in indignation. Who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? Yeah. That's the question. Who do I think I am? And, and if I say I'm a sinner... Yeah. yeah. I, I've done bad things. Yeah. But I'm more than that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm an individual. I'm, I'm, I'm individual. Yes. But I'm also more than that. I'm a part of a family. Yes. And I'm more than that. I'm a white guy. Yeah. But I'm also more than that. I, I'm an American. Yes. But I'm also more than that. And this is the more than that. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. I am more than my individuality. I am more than my nationality. I am more than my ethnicity. I am more than my sin. I am more than my strength. I am more than my successes. I am who God says I am in Christ Jesus. And embracing that identity where I really truly believe I am forgiven and I am spirit empowered and I belong to my neighbor and my job is to bless my neighbor and my job is to to speak graciously to my neighbor. My job right. is to, you know, embracing my role, my role, my role 
because every one of us was born with a role. As Americans, as 21st century Americans especially, we like to think, I get to determine my role. Mm-hmm. I get to determine my identity because I'm an, I'm, I'm an individual. And it's like, well, yeah, to a certain extent, that's true. But it's also true that, no, you were born into a family. And as a member of that family, you have a role in that family. Mm-hmm. You have responsibility as it applies to that family. You were also born into a community. And you have a responsibility to your community. You have a responsibility to the people around you. But now, in Christ Jesus... That, that role and that responsibility and even our own individuality, all of that has been expanded and transformed and changed and embracing this new identity in Christ that changes how I think about me personally, mm-hmm. but also how I fit into my community, my, my responsibility to others. So to get real practical about Isabella's question, so if I'm being lazy, and I, and I know, let's just assume that that Isabella isn't just a workaholic that wants to work every second of every day, but she recognizes, yeah, there's sometimes I could be doing more and I'm, I'm just kind of slacking off and I'm just kind of, you know, lounging around and I should, I should be doing more. It helps to reflect on as, because even a secular person could say, well, you have a responsibility to your neighbors. So if your neighbors, you know, is an elderly elderly lady that that is a widow and she needs her groceries you know so you could go get her groceries for her you could help her bless her because you have responsibility to her as her neighbor even a secular person could reflect on that truth right but now that role and responsibility is transformed and and elevated in christ that says wow that neighbor of mine is an image bearer of god and by honoring her and by serving her and by blessing her i am I am fulfilling my role in the kingdom and I'm serving God by serving her and my, my brothers and sisters in Christ and even the people that hate me. And, you know, all of these things, it transforms the way that we see things. So when we see, whether it's a piece of trash on the ground or somebody that needs help across the street or uh, somebody who needs encouragement, it transforms how we see all of those things. Mm-hmm. And and not only is there forgiveness and mercy and grace for when we fail to do the good things that we know we ought to do, it also pushes us and motivates us to go and do those good things. Not because we feel guilty. Oh, I guess I should. Not because like somebody's twisting our arm saying, well, you know, this is your responsibility. No, it's not like that anymore. It's yeah. now I've, I have this incredibly elevated position amongst God's people to do these good works so that he can be glorified, so that he can be magnified, so that more people see him for who he is and see his spirit working within us. So that internal change that's working on our heart and mind and how we reflect on ourselves and on our neighbors and on God and on the world, it really does motivate us to do very different things. Yeah, you know, a couple other practical takeaways I was thinking about in this latter part of Ephesians 4 um, yeah, the be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I think that that made me think of you know, the idea. I've heard people talk about that. You don't get, you don't, you don't stay in the same place. You either get better or mm-hmm. you get worse. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the need to be doing good things mm-hmm. is not just because we need to be doing good mm-hmm. things and that's good, but mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to be doing bad things. Yeah. Otherwise you're just because that's that's. It seems to be sort of a fundamental human truth that yeah. when you, you know, like in this in this case, I mean, in this case, we can all imagine being angry at somebody and convincing ourselves with plenty of logic and reason mm-hmm. that I shouldn't bring that up. 
mm-hmm. going to be a fight. It's going to be a – but if I do it now, it's probably going to be less than if I let it blow up later. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I let it become about something else mm-hmm. down the road and let it yeah. fester. Yeah. And so, I, again, I think um, I think that and uh, that, you know, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, mm-hmm. you know. It's don't say, not just don't say bad things, mm-hmm. don't lie. Mm-hmm. It's say good things, mm-hmm. tell the truth. It's, yeah. it's you know, you don't you don't get to just be zero. You're mm-hmm. either a negative or a positive. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all have a, inevitably have a reaction on mm-hmm. the world around us. And I think also it's interesting that, you know, you read these and I, I think it is, it's obviously directed to a group, but it's talking about individuals. It's talking about individual struggle and the more you understand what we keep keep going back to, you're yes, you're a, you're a corrupted mm-hmm. flesh human being, mm-hmm. but you're also an image bearer of God. Mm-hmm. Now you're saved by Christ. Mm-hmm. You have potential on either side of the mm-hmm. equation, and you're going to be one or the other. Yep. Um, I, I think the more we understand that, the more it also helps us look at other people mm-hmm. when. Okay, nobody's going to be where you're at. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Everybody's on some yeah. other tick mark on mm-hmm. the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but even you know, you can look at the what you perceive to be the worst of the worst, mm-hmm. and you can know that well, I have that in me too. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so they have yeah. within them that they're image bearers of God. They right. could be saved by by yes. grace. And and I think it is you know, the the more you understand yourself. Mm-hmm. And your own capabilities, good and bad, mm-hmm. uh, based on the the evil, evil, corrupt mm-hmm. flesh that we're in, but then the reality of Christ that we're also in, yes. but not to its fullest extent that it will be. Yeah. I, I think the more we understand that about ourselves, the more it helps us to look at other people yep. with compassion, yep. with empathy, with, you know, I may not be anywhere near where they're at, mm-hmm. good or bad, mm-hmm. um, but I can understand that. I have that within me too, mm-hmm. so it's, it it requires a lot of introspection, I mm-hmm. think, to to mine this theology that Paul is bringing out in Ephesians yep. to then come up with practical ways that each of us can can do better. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how all of this because our our tagline for this podcast for my blog is for is to learn to love like Jesus and it's amazing how you think well what does theology what does saved by by grace through faith what does that have to do with loving like Jesus right. and the answer is everything everything because you cannot love your neighbor so long as you wallow in self-pity mm, if you're wallowing in self-pity true. and you're saying oh, I'm, I'm such a horrible person i hate myself i'm so stupid why did i do that i'm such a bad person as long as you're doing that you will never see your neighbor's needs you will never see your neighbor's hurts you will never run to meet their needs you will never fulfill your role in their life like you won't because you're just consumed with guilt and shame and embarrassment and on the other hand, if you are doing well and you're like, oh, yeah, then you're looking down your nose at your neighbor and right. saying, well, I figured it out. Why can't they figure it out? I, I don't do any of that bad stuff. Why do they do that bad stuff? I can't believe anybody thinks like that or talks like that or votes like that or goes there or does that or whatever. Right. And you're looking down your nose at them as if you're saved by your own good works and your works are better than theirs. So obviously, you know, you're you're not a mess and they are. This is 
this theology of saved by grace through faith and this not of works so that no one can boast, this has everything to do with how we love our neighbor and how, like you said, how we even love our enemy. The worst of the worst is no worse than me. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. they're no worse you than me. You realize that. That changes everything. It changes everything. And the only reason I'm sitting where I am and they're not is the grace of God. It is the grace of God. Absolutely. And, and so had they had the same opportunities to hear about the grace of God, they may be sitting with us right here. And so yeah. that's why we take the gospel to them. I, I'm preaching Sunday about Paul and about Paul's life and some of these things. And and sometimes I think we think that Jesus recruited the Apostle Paul because he was an upstanding Pharisee. He he knew the law. Like he was he was obviously a, a very you know well-respected person. Jesus did not choose Paul because he was very good or very talented or very strong. Jesus chose Paul because Paul was very bad. He was the chief of sinners, and that's why he chose him, because he wanted to demonstrate, if I can do this with him, I can do this with anybody. And that's the whole point. And if we all would reflect on the gospel that way and say, Jesus is saving me so that he can demonstrate to the world, if I can Mm. do this with a mess like Wes, that I can do this with anybody. That's a man. I, I, we, that's something I feel like we need to circle back. That's the story element of it that we need to circle back to yeah. all the time. Yes. I think because you can see that with Paul, and you can see that throughout the Old Testament and the New. That yeah. I mean, God seems to have a knack for choosing people that have a lot of dysfunction and a lot of sin. And mm-hmm. I think part of the message of that, like you said, is. Uh, God can, he's proving just how great his saving grace is, mm-hmm. but also with how many times it happens in scripture, it's like, oh, clearly we all have, <laughs> no matter how good it might look on the outside that somebody's mm-hmm. doing, it's like, we're, like you said, it all, it's all the, the worst things that human beings can do is contained within each of us. Yep. And so that's, that's all of us. Yep. We're all Paul. Yep. We're all Moses. We're all David. We're all Peter. We're all, yep. you know capable of, of those horrible things and, and God God's bigger than it. Yep. Yep. He is. And and he lives within us as his children yeah. and he's transforming us. And so the answer to Isabella's question and to my question, to Travis's <laughs> question, to all of our question, how do I do better? Walk by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Walk by the Spirit. Lean on him. Lean on him in prayer. Lean on him when you act. Lean on him when you rest. Work in him. Rest in him. Trust in him. Pray in him. Lean on him because whatever good you do, you only do through his power and strength. Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Polly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.